0: Hey, what's good, people? This is Sports Debate Tuesday. This is episode 52, and the episode starts right now. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone I don't know Okay, look I wore this hat in the beginning because I'm just trying to show my people and people that think who, who people who jump on the bandwagon and jump off like some other teams when they win or lose. I stand tall with my team, but not if they out. I'm gonna just wear this as one time. Salute, take it off. Now I got work to do. I wear it more if they were still in there because it's about cheering for the bills, but they ain't nothing left to cheer for, at least, at least for now. Um fans are gonna cheer them at home. You know it's gonna be a lot of fun. But we have a job to do. Welcome welcome people whoops welcome episode 52 sports debate tuesday along with rob keep it mclean mclean i'm yours truly jason debis and we have the usual amount to cover football mixed martial arts a little bit of basketball um buffalo bills lost they got romped by the kansas city chiefs conor mcgregor you know uh maybe ring rust is a real is a real thing or or, or maybe not a um, bunch of great upsets you call Joanne Calderwood and of course we got shame or no shame we got quick question but first things first How? first of all how are you Rob
1: I'm good man everything's good
0: I like it alright let's go topic number one the Bucks defeated the Packers to win the NFC championship um, game against the Green Bay Packers 31-26 in a game with a slew of great plays and and an even more uh, uh, disturbingly heightened amount of dropped and tipped passes <laughs> and a game that had coaching genius and just head scratching, coaching mistakes. Let's start off in a general way, your thoughts and your reaction to the Bucks winning three games on the road to finishing and beating the Green Bay Packers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely surprised being that, uh, the weather was as nice as it was (laughs) that they came out, scored on the first drive. Um, The Packers scored as well. And then, you know, it was just, I thought it was a really good game. You know, it was uh, Tom Brady playing some fantastic football and, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers. you know, I I think that that team its really tough for me to, to pick the Packers going in the playoffs because they always seem to find themselves down or behind uh, at the right times. And, no matter how well they play towards the end of the game, third quarter, you know, they always, they're always they always trying to climb back. And against a guy like Tom Brady, it doesn't matter what team he has. Like if he has a lead, especially a large lead for most of the game, like he's, he's calm, he's ready to go and perform when it really matters. If you're fighting back the whole time, you know, no matter how good Aaron Rodgers was this year and no matter how good he was that game, um, I mean, you're you're just, you know, fighting an uphill battle. Talking about the rest of the, uh, you know, the coaching, I thought that Bruce Arians, you know, we, we talk about how bad LaFleur coached, but uh, I thought Bruce Arians coached a phenomenal game, super clean, uh, you know, they had a great lead mid game. They did a lot of, they might not have scored more, but they took a lot of time off the uh, off the clock, um, kept Rogers off the field as much as they could. And again, like we said last game, I think the most underrated thing here was, uh, you know, the Bucks defense. Again, they did so many – they had so many turnovers against one of the best offenses in the league. And they honestly made the, the offensive line and probably the protection calls of Aaron Rodgers look like elementary because they were all over Aaron Rodgers all day. And then going to what you were saying about tip passes and drop passes and interceptions, I think that goes back to great defense on both sides. I think they, they put pressure on both quarterbacks. Um, they, the secondary covered very well. And, you know, they had to run more of their routes to get open. You know, that leads to a quarterback running around, trying to fit in tight windows. So I thought it was a great game. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the outcome. And I'm glad that Tampa Bay is coming through.
0: Yeah. Well, before I get to my reaction, highlighting what you said about the defense, I thought Raheem Morris, um, is Raheem Morris the DC on, on that team? I'm trying to remember. Mm. Um, should probably get a head coaching job in a couple of years. Jason Pierre-Paul... Shaquille Garrett, the Dominican Sioux. I mean, there's nothing that spells nightmare more than Aaron Rodgers or that makes Aaron Rodgers see Tom Brady ghosts or tap tap dance in and out of the pocket like the late Gregory Hines and Stephen A. Smith would say, than than Jason Pierre Paul. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is fifteen and one. He he knows who Jason and and the, and the Giants beat him, so he knows who Jason Pierre-Paul is. He knows who Adam Kanu is. Adam Kanu is, I mean, played for the Lions, who's their rival. Who you know who, who who loves who loves nothing more in life than to make quarterbacks eat dirt. So it's just some weird ebbs and flows in the game that I couldn't explain. That I can only look back retrospectively after the game was over and I watch it a second time just to see. Rodgers was eleven of twelve on his first 12 attempts. And the and the one that he missed was a throwaway. He had to throw it away before he got sacked. So it's almost like a one that shouldn't count, but it does so there. But they're down 14-7. And when I saw him down 14-7, on on, and he hit 11 of his first 12 passes, and, and his numbers were tight in the half, he, you know, I mean, it was a continuation of that. This, I was like, this is gonna, there's a problem, and I don't even see what, what the hell is going on, you know? Both Brady and Rodgers, I'm not going to use drop passes as an excuse for Rodgers. I'm not going to give him a pass on that because for every one pass Devontae Adams dropped or every extra, oh, the two-point conversion, there were passes off of Mike Evans' hands that were just tipped, and one got tipped and intercepted, and one got, one he didn't even finish run, running the route, and that got intercepted. So, so that I just call that a wash. I call that a, in poker, we call that a, or, or blackjack, we call that a push. Um... Now, everybody says when you have two great quarterbacks, Rob, it's going to come down to the end. It's going to come down to the last few plays, and and we're definitely going to cover the elephant in the room. Um, Coach Matt Lafleur not choosing not to go for it on fourth goal and goal, and and electing to kick the field goal. Um, some would call that coaching stupidity. Um, and some would call that understanding the feel of the game. And, and we, we um, will repair that on to shame or not to shame. Uh, other examples of the coaching stupidity was um, Lafleur on the kickoff instead of just kicking as hard as you can to the end zone and saving time on the clock, I think it was 208. So they had the two minute warning. And they had three timeouts. So instead he kicks inbounds. Which is stupid because if you kick inbounds, the guy returning the kick can burn off the seconds on the clock. And then if it gets to the two-minute one, you you, save, you you lose something we affectionately refer to as a de facto timeout. But in an even stupider move, the guy who received the kick did a baseball slide and gave himself up with five seconds left. So now with five seconds left, they go nine yards, second and one. And now you got the two minute warning and now only you'll have your three timeouts. And then in all of this guy's stupid moves, he comes up with something really, really brilliant. He tells his team to jump off sides and get an encroachment penalty. Because defensive penalties stops the clock. You Now you give Tampa Bay first down, but it's first and 10. And now you can manage your three timeouts. Because if it was second and one, Tom Brady's gonna get is gonna get the first down on second and one or third and one, and you have no more timeouts or, or or you have like um little maybe eighteen seconds left or no time left at all. So I thought that was a brilliant move on on Matt Lafleur's part or or, or whatever coaching staff. So so that's kind of my reaction. And at the end of the day, I'm not gonna blame I'm I I'm not gonna use Lafleur's scapegoat on this. Rogers Rogers on several occasions, and you heard him say, "Please get the ball back for me." When they missed that two-point conversion, please get get the hey get get you got to get this ball back for me, and they did, and then he was and then he was three and out or whatever, gave it up again, and then they got it back again on an interception, on an overthrown ball, a ball that I, Tom Brady didn't even get hit on the throw. He saw a ghost and just flung the guy just went by him, and he, it was a time it was a classic Tom Brady versus New York Giants Brady ghost, and um so. I don't put it on Matt LaFleur because Todd, to, uh, because Aaron Rodgers had multiple opportunities upon his own request, his defense got the ball back. And to Matt F- LaFleur's credit, they were a pass interference call from getting the ball back on third and long. But that was a pass. And they did, listen, they did let both teams play, Rob, right? But when you can see on a highlight reel, you don't have to zoom in when you can see the guy's shirt. When you can see from like uh, uh, mm. 50, 50 yards away, it's, you don't want to call it, but you have to. I mean, you don't want to call it because you know the tug on the shirt didn't slow him down. And you know that the ball wasn't considered catchable, which I think is just a stupid rule. Holding's holding, but, but um, that's my reaction. Uh, Brady, congratulations to him. At the end of the day, the better quarterback won. And, that, and that's uh, that's really all I got to say about that. Brady, by the way, is going to his 10th Super Bowl. In his 20-year 20 career, 21-year career. Take away the, uh, the, the year that he got hurt in the first game of the season. Just call it 20-year career. He's been to the Super Bowl half the time <laughs> of his career. So it's out of a 20-year career, he's been to the Super Bowl 10 times. Or he's going to the Super Bowl yeah, 10 times. That's pretty the crazy. rest of his team combined. The rest of the Tampa Bay Bucks combined are going to nine. So he he has more super. He's going to have more Super Bowl appearance than the rest of his team combined, which is ridiculous. He's so, going to have
1: double than than his team combined.
0: Yeah. I honestly, I like Bruce, more Bruce Arians. I didn't think. I thought they're going to play keep away ball, on that third, the one that got called for pi. I didn't mm-hmm. think Brady's going to drop back and throw that ball because if he misses. The clock stops and you give Aaron Rodgers more time and the timeout. <laughs> so I, I, I honest to God thought that they're gonna run it because Fournette didn't get a lot of yards. He only got fifty five yards. He, you know he got a, he got a score. He got a he got, you know he got a Benny Bone at the end, but he got necessary yards when you needed him. So see, ahead,
1: for me, um, <clears throat> I'd have to say this. Like I just think, and I, I get why uh, Aaron Rodgers is is at least contemplating. Uh, getting his way out of uh, Green Bay because I just don't think this team is created to win. Um, When you look at, you know, their defense, their secondary played phenomenal, you know, but their front half played pretty, you know, average. Um, You know, you have your, your run game, who've got two stud running backs. Uh, You know, they both had five and, and six or seven attempts apiece. you know, yet like we're saying with the Browns, they were hitting five, six yard averages. So, when you have, you know, all the tools to use, but, but for some reason it's not working. And I agree with you. Eleven out of twelve, and you're down 7, uh, 17, uh, yeah. seven to fourteen. That's a that's a really bad sign. Um, Do you think they I were thought, impatient?
0: Do you think they were impatient because they no, were behind? I don't they didn't think get. They, were they didn't make a lot of running running attempts because the total amount it, of attempts. It, it, Between those two running backs you were talking about, and and I'll give you back the floor, was thirteen between Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, thirteen total attempts, thirteen total touches. Go ahead, Rob.
1: Right, right. So it's like they and and you could watch when you're watching the game, you know they were trying uh, that um, Kansas City was doing a great job shutting down the run game, so they kind of just abandoned it, and you know their offense became one dimensional, Um, and and that's it's tough because when you do that as a team, you know even if you get back to the running, you're almost like. Uh, telegraphing what you're doing. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, the way that game felt, I was very impressed with Aaron Rodgers and the offense for making it that close. Yeah, You know, honestly, I didn't think that, I thought it was going to be a blowout, um, you know, second, third quarter. Yep. I really didn't feel like the the Packers were going to come back. They made some great plays, you know, coaching or just players, whatever. His um, numbers
0: were really good, dude. That's
1: what He's I'm saying. 30, 33 you
0: know. of 48. 346 yeah. yards. He got a touchdown. Three touchdowns. He got one pick. Um his passer rating was 106, 108.6. I mean, yeah. you know. That's I mean, any coach, that would be ecstasy for the, any coach when for Rodgers, that's a normal day or, or better than or slightly better than normal day. And that's where do you think that's where his frustrations coming from? He's he's probably thinking what Absolutely. more what more could I have done? to help win this game (laughs) you know i mean
1: i think it was kind of just a part of the season too like they had as well as their record ended up this season it wasn't smooth sailing two years ago smooth sailing but this past year you know regardless of the record it was not smooth sailing Mm -hmm. like they were a lot of games could have been decided one way or another they lost some really big games that they should not have lost that put a lot of pressure on the team Mm -hmm. uh, in the season you know so a lot of these things where you know pressure situation comes down you need to win this game what happens uh, I didn't really feel very confident in the Packers pretty much since week seven maybe right um, so it's uh, I, I just think that it's been a lot of years where Aaron Rodgers and the same thing people are saying what's going on he's had that whole relaxed thing he had you know so many things to tell people like I'm staying here I'm good but you know he's 37 you know at some point he's got to win a super bowl you know at some point he's got to win more than an nfc you know conference game you know it's it's gotta we gotta get there so
0: good problems for the man <laughs> one more question before we go, we go to our next topic rob uh third and goal it's going to be said to our shame no shame third and goal he i think he had an opportunity to run and he, he threw across his body to Devontae adams which looked like a double or a triple teamed. would you um, um, Monday morning quarterbacking here. Do you think he should have run? He should have run. absolutely.
1: For I saw that play too, and yeah. I, I thought that it would have been the best decision to make because yeah. even if he didn't make it in, you know, he would have been at the one yard line, you know, somewhere close to that. And
0: I think he would have made. You it can then. do something. I think he would have made it in. Look, Rogers. Me too. Has a lot of rushing yards. And and uh, maybe not. It's because he moves like Lamar Jackson or 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 Daniel Jones or, or some of these guys who are just ridiculous speedster. He's got Mahomes speed. He's got Mahomes speed where he's got a first. His first step is good, and that first step, like in a hundred yard, uh, hundred meter dash, he might lose a hundred meter dash, but out of the starting block, he's gonna beat you the first ten yards. So, and I thought distance wise and like his first step, yeah, he would be. He would be both of those guys. He uh, um. I mean, there's a whole lot of coulda woulda shoulda, but that's what this show is about. <laughs> so, and, you know, we'd be remiss. Um, It would be podcast malpractice if I didn't pose that question. Cool. All right, Thank Rob, you. let's go on to question number two. T- sorry, topic number two. Kansas City Chiefs romped, stomped, punked, exterminated, beat down the Buffalo Bills. My Buffalo Bills in conv- in convincing fashion. 3824. And the question is, was it great Chiefs or bad Bills? I'm gonna go first on this one, Rob. I gotta go with great Chiefs. I gotta go with great Chiefs. I would like to cite as a pretext before I give my answer. I thought the Bills were gonna. I I always knew the Bills were gonna to go to the playoffs from the beginning of the season. The coaching direction was going good. They I knew they got digs. Now they got a deep threat, and I knew um, Allen was go, wasn't gonna get worse as far as um, his completion percentage on deep balls. You know, it was only gonna get better. And I, and I was thinking like eleven and five. You know what I'm saying eleven and five. Miami is going to be good. Maybe they'll battle them for the top spot. Um, hey, they beat the Rams. You know what I'm saying they they escaped with a pass in, pass interference call. They got that win. They beat Seattle, which I didn't think they beat Seattle. Next thing you know, eleven and five is th- thirteen and three, and they they overachieved. You know, and I knew Styles make matchups. I knew they beat the Indiana, Indianapolis. I. Had my reservations about the the Ravens, but uh, you know I'm riding riding a dime with my team the same way you and I picked the Buffalo Bills last week to win this one. So, with all that being said, and congratulations to the Bills and and Coach McDermott still deserves Coach of the Year. If you look at the tail of the tape, like if you're an MMA guy and a football guy, and you look at the tail of the tape head to head, you got Mahomes against Allen you know, against res- their respective defenses. You got Kansas City's defense against Buffalo's defense. Buffalo's, de- uh, um, they're, they're, they're back for it. the defensive backs are really good, but they, you know, they're gonna have to do some repair at the linebacker or whatever, which is why they do so many nickel packages. Um, you look at the, the wide receiving core of Kansas City versus Buffalo's wide receiving core. We have a one, they have fucking three ones. No, just curse, but that's all right. Travis Kelsey is a, is 1,200 yards receiving. That Those are not tight end numbers, okay? And the only thing that makes that that makes him not the center of attention is because they have the fastest mammal live on, on two legs in Tariq Hill, who scorched the Buffalo Bills for 177 yards. So, oh, not to mention that Buffalo's got a good coach and they got a good defensive coordinator with Frazier, uh, but... You got bien who's who should be a head coach. You got Steve Nolo, who's one of the, the greatest defensive minds. They got everybody on that sideline. I'm not making excuses for the Bills. I'm praising Kansas City for for them having all the tools. And when you have all the tools, they expect you to win. And and, and everyone expected them to win. I mean, in my, my heart, I went with my heart, not with my head. <laughs> so I got to go with great Chiefs. And I got to tell you, if they play the Tampa Bay Bucks the same way they played the Bills, Tom Brady's in big trouble because... Listen, the leading rusher on the Buffalo Bills was Josh Allen, okay? He rushed 88 yards, but because he had to. Tom Brady ain't escaping that pocket.
1: Yeah, I mean. to the question. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, uh, to the question of good or bad uh, Bills or Chiefs, I think it was more of inexperienced Bills uh, and, like you said, great Chiefs. Like, Chiefs played exactly how they're supposed to play. We finally got to see Patrick Mahomes maybe not doing the most wild stuff all the time, Get running out of the pocket, making these crazy plays. Like, just stay in the pocket, be a good quarterback, and you're just going to dominate the league. And that's what he showed. Like, if you could just settle it down just a little bit, kind of the Steph Curry syndrome where, you know, you start shooting threes that are 40 40 feet, you know, you're not going to get the best, uh, you know, 20, (laughs) 23-footers down. No doubt. You know, so now that we have, you know, uh, Mahomes playing real good football. I think they're unstoppable. I mean that that Chiefs defense looks so quick, so fast. I mean, all over the quarterback. Uh, he was yeah, under duress. Chiefs. I mean,
0: I'm I'm amazed at the Bills' protection. I mean, right. they I mean, they, there were there were things where he was under duress and he had to run, but he did have protection. But even when Allen had protection, all of the receivers were covered. Because you know, Allen's if he sees some he's just gonna throw. They were just covered. It was ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and Allen made some great throws too. You know, I thought Mm -hmm. the you know offense didn't play bad. They just anytime it was like clutch time, they got to make a play. You know, you had uh, you know an extra two or three guys coming in, and Allen just can't get away from that. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and he did he did really well. He got eighty eight yards off it and some good chunk runs. But Yeah. um, yeah, very very difficult to play against that team. Yeah, but. I also thought just like you know how uh, the Patriots kind of uh, not the Patriots the uh, the Bucks kind of got on top of the uh, on the top of Green Bay pretty quickly, you know the same thing happened with the Bills, but in the opposite way where the Bills kind of just let them do whatever they did first, like throw your knockout punches, or your best punch, and then uh, uh, we're going to throw our best punch and see who. and I don't think that was the smart smart play, but. Um, what can you do, really? Uh, I thought they should have probably blitzed more with uh, Mahomes, especially coming off the, uh, you know, concussion protocol. Just blitz him early. Um, you know, play some coverage deep, make them make some decisions underneath pretty quick, pretty early. Um, but hey, uh, I thought it was a good game towards the end. And, you know, like we are saying, if you're down the whole game, you know, I think the Bills played a really solid game. Um, if there was a, if it was, oh, uh, oh, maybe 3-3, 7-7, 10, 10 in the, in the first yeah. half, yep, you know, it would have been a great game, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Kansas maybe, they, maybe if they, maybe if they
0: went for it on fourth and goal instead of kicking the field goal, I mean, that's, that's one of those things before the half, not to mention the untimely interception that, that Josh Allen had that, that could have put them within one score, maybe eight yeah. points or whatever. So they, those are things that. And the reason why I say good cheese because even if they go for it on fourth and goal and get it, and even if he doesn't throw a pick in um, you know in, in the red zone, I, I still think that Chiefs win. <laughs> That's weird. I still think that she's win that game. You know, um, I didn't like the uh, the chippiness. I didn't like the extracurricular. I didn't like these them. You know, you know they hit someone. The guy's out of bounds, and then they ride him all the way out of bounds, and the referee doesn't do anything. I don't like when the referee's blown plays dead, and people are getting suplex. I didn't like you know at the end the the thing that just boiled over. The straw the straw that broke the camel's back was when. Um, Allen got pushed back, and he's got his, his free arm. And he, and maybe he thought he should have threw it or whatever, but once the play blew the whistle, once the rep blew the whistle dead, the other guy comes in and hits him. So when Josh was on the ground and threw the ball, the guy, that was the, for anyone listening, that was the rationalization. There's no excuse for it, and, he, and he's he's young, and he shouldn't. And you know in the NFL, whoever hits second is going gonna, gonna to find out. But but that's what happened. They, they just, it was something that they have to, No, you're gonna go against teams like that, and sometimes the refs are just gonna let them play, and they can't, you know, they can't lose their cool like that. I mean, and and, and it happened at the end, making it less relevant. But there are gonna be games in the future where they're like, oh wow, this is how we could get to this team. You know, this is the blueprint. Now the teams, it sends a message to other teams, and they're gonna have to whatever. But listen, they got a bright future. They got a young quarterback. They have a, um, a diva receiver that doesn't act like a diva. You know, he loves he loves getting the ball, but he he understands the game, and, and they got a great connection. Here's a great picture of Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, in this picture, um, the Buffalo Bills already shook hands. They're already going back to the locker room. Um, he was the only player left on the field where Coach McDermott had to go back out and get him, but when you see something like that, that's not grief and hurt. That's I want to take a look at what this looks like because we'll be back, and you haven't seen the last of us. You know, mm. I go way back. Um I'm a, well, I was a wrestling head back in the day. Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, facing Bret Hart in Madison Square Garden for the first time. Now, we know the results are fixed, but the stunts are real and this and that, but... Stone Cold had him in something called the Million Dollar Dream or something like that, some kind of sleeper hole, and Bret Hart used used that and manipulated their weight, and he didn't let go of the hole, and Steve Austin ended up pinning him, pinning himself, one, two, three, but at the end, Stone Cold was leaving the ring, and Bret Hart's still in the ring, and he just stares, he, you know, it's like this 30-second thing, and I'm like, and the storyline, they were just trying to show the audience that, wait, this is... This is not just a one-off of two good wrestlers. This is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the first – I'm silly, but that was the first thing I was thinking when I saw Diggs looking at him. Like, the same message to, to, to anyone who saw Diggs on that field. This You haven't seen the last of us. This is just the beginning. And congratulations. We're not picking winners this week. We're going to do that next week. Um, last week, we were both 0-2. Our total record, we're, t- we're still knotted at 8-4 and four for the playoffs. So,
1: I'm wow. for that win. Wow.
0: Wow, dude. Yeah. All right. Topic number three. We, we veer away from football a little bit and we move to mixed martial arts. We must be making Meryl Streep upset. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago, she's like, if we didn't let immigrants in the country, there would only be football and mixed martial arts, which, by the way, isn't an art. Meryl Streep, you ain't going to like this show. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you're stupid. Because if you look at all the UFC champions, where are they from? <laughs> are they American? No, they're from other countries. So so we didn't let immigrants in the country. We wouldn't have. Mi- MMA either right? <laughs> think about it, right? Shoot. Who who's the 155 pound champ? Just retired, Khabib. Where's he from? <laughs> right? Who's the greatest freaking female mixed martial artist and a two division champ? Amanda nunez She's from Brazil, right? <laughs> so, Valentina Shevchenko lives in Peru, but's from Dagestan, I think, or Russia. So, so get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> Football, whatever. You got me. <laughs> Football, you got me. Moving on to mixed martial arts. All right. Um, UFC 257. Another great card. I love having these pay-per-views where like two of, the, two of the fights, you have these relative unknowns trying to make a name for themselves. And Rebus. i seen Rebus fight, man. She was really good. And Rodriguez was, was just put it away, dude. Great call. Jaron Calderwood. We talked about constant pressure and how she like outworks people, but I didn't. But you, you, man, you were right. She outworked her and she was more talented. I didn't know. And I didn't see that. I think where I was right, I called called the two fights. I called, um, no, we were both wrong about Poirier and and McGregor. Yeah. All right. Um, And I called uh, Chandler because I followed him very, very closely at Bellator all the way from when he was feuding with Will Brooks to Eddie Alvarez. That was like match of the year. That was the only like match of the year that wasn't a UFC match and and it was weird because his right hand is deadly and i i know when people feel his power that they become hesitant Uh, but it was actually the left that caught him so the question rob and and i'm giving you the floor first which was the bigger upset on this card um you can answer from an mma um purist or enthusiast perspective or from a casual fan perspective however you choose to do it which was the bigger upset was it chandler beating hooker or was it poirier beating conor mcgregor
1: i mean honestly i just wanted hooker to beat chandler because i hate guys just getting a free ride into the top five into the divisions where all these guys work in yep. so I, I was more of a I, I just want him to lose but you know obviously chandler's on a way different level than than hooker um so i don't really see that as much of an upset i just you know i wanted that to happen um but yeah talking about mcgregor and, and poirier uh I think, uh, you know, it's, it's the most, ups, uh, the biggest upset just because, um, I was just incredibly surprised that Connor never it really didn't want to check the calf kick. I, that's like MMA one-on-one at this point. Um, uh, in the modern day, if you don't like, if you don't know how to defend against a calf kick, that's how you lose. Uh, and that's Paulo Acosta. That's You know, anybody pretty much that fights against Volkanovski or uh, uh, Anderson, uh, (laughs) Israel Adesanya, you know, it's just the modern day jab for uh, MMA, I feel like, is the calf kick. So um, pretty, pretty, pretty upsetting to me that that's what kind of brought Conor out. But, yeah, he was really just not focusing on that at all. And uh, that just broke him and. Yeah, once once that calf kick landed three or four times, it was a uh, was a done deal. So, yeah, uh, more bigger bigger upset were Conor McGregor for uh, Dustin Poirier, but I think it just kind of opens that division wide open, um, and you know we'll get to see a lot of really interesting fights. You know what, you know Chandler Poirier for for an interim yeah. fight would be, would be or,
0: awesome. or even Conor off the loss who will fight next? Are you you know?
1: Yeah, true. I mean, Connor and yeah. Connor and Chandler would be interesting, you know. And Poirier maybe uh, fight a Khabib again to, yeah. you know, run that back. But uh,
0: Connor and Tony, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Tony. I mean, Tony's in there. I think Oliveira is is is
0: a big wild card. He's, he's you know, there. I think. He was ranked ahead yeah. of Connor in the rankings. I guess because because exactly. of activity. Right? Rightfully so. Yeah. Well, activity says a so. lot, right? I mean, yeah. Poirier's ranked ahead of Connor, who Connor beaten him um, half a decade ago. But um, if you look at the win loss record since Connor's been six and two, and Poirier's been ten and two, so the, the so activity means everything in the world. Yeah. So that was your bigger upset, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, Dustin. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is supposed to be a debate show, but I, I absolutely refuse to go the other way for argument's sake. I, you know me. I like to argue for its own sake, but I can't do it. I can't in will do it. I mean, Chandler is the one I picked, so I don't, I don't care, consider that an upset. Chandler was a, a 125 plus 125 dog, you know, um, finishing inside the distance even. Uh, it was 360. I wish. I really wish I put some money on that because I, I knew. I mean, I ha- why is he a bigger dog inside the distance when he well, – the way he's been – he's he's. I mean, and I had an interesting stat about him. I believe he finished, excuse me for a second, he finished, it was 22 wins, 17 finishes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so and before but there were submissions. And now he's just you know, he's just, he's a he's a wrestler that fell in love with his right hand, which is the reason why you picked against him rightfully so. I mean, if you just you're a wrestler that falls in love with your right hand, you're gonna lose, you know, a decision. But But he's more than that. Yeah. Well, yep. You yeah, know,
1: he's yeah. more than that. He's become more I, than I, that. he's become But it's funny, like I'm pretty sure like, isn't he a Southpaw? But he's but his power, like oh, it looks like he fights Southpaw.
0: No, um Poirier is a righty that fights lefty.
1: Yes, no, I know yeah. that, but I'm saying Chandler, it just, uh, cause you, even when he was chasing after, yeah. he, he's throwing right hooks, but it was from a like a left handed stance. I wonder, so I, I'm gonna, I'm I gonna feel check like in. he is a lefty.
0: Yeah. Well, it was the left that actually, um, put him down and and was kind of the beginning of the end. You know, he looked like he's going to go for a guillotine choke. And it was like, wait a second. You know, what if he escapes and recovers instead? (laughs) You saw him like jump off the guillotine and just started doing this, just started punching him in the face. So yeah, I got to go bigger upset, uh, Dustin Poirier, but uh, at the same time, I'm not going to give Connor a pass on ring rust. Um, there's something about the way that Connor loses when he loses his fights. You don't make excuses for him. Connor makes excuses sometimes. Oh, I had a bad day. I had to heal this or whatever. But if you look at all of his losses, look at Diaz. He hit with Diaz with everything under the kitchen sink. All right, it didn't drop Diaz or didn't you know or didn't beat Diaz. Diaz was there at the end. So there's something about taking Connor's best shot. You're still standing there, and then when it's your turn to hit, and if he crumbles or gets TKO or gets submitted, to me, that's a clean victory. There, there's You can catch Connor in 13 seconds, right, or whatever, and then people will call that lucky. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You can, you know, Connor escaped with that decision with Diaz. I wasn't okay with that, but some people are okay with that because that was a five-round war and the judges this set out or whatever. But there's something about Poirier ate some left-hands, dude poirier ate some left hands that dropped the same left hands that dropped him in 2014 when connor dusted him off and you know in under, under two minutes the first time they fought at 145 but he ate some shots and you put it in slow motion and it looked even more ugly you're like how the hell man, you, man mma fighters are just special people man because that dude that would I, I mean i'd still be out I would still be out. I'd be in the hospital if someone hit me like that. No, I'm just kidding. I got a strong chest. But um, so I give Dustin the credit for it because he you and you you, man, you really, really took it. You took it from me, the, the the leg kick. Cause when people come in, they dive in with punches against Connor, who already has a reach advantage. So he did one, two, finish with a leg kick, or just a one and a leg kick. Or just a, a slip in, slip in left, and then leg kick. So Connor, when Connor tries to counter, he's not there. You know, and he did make a mistake a couple of times. He's like, "Okay, I got hit, and you know what? Cool. I ate it. I ate his shot, and I'm still here." But at the same time, be smart. I ain't gonna. You know, I, I don't think I'm gonna take eight more of those. And that he that was the advantage he came in with. And Connor beats a lot of people because. People watch video of Connor is like, oh, I'm not gonna fall for that left hit left left hook Larry crap or whatever. Oh he oh he punches hard, but oh he drops midgets. But then you get in the cage with Connor and you feel his power. And when you feel his power, there is this nervousness and all of a sudden you kind of you have to rec compartmentalize what your game plan was. And Poirier had that advantage. He felt his power and, and at 145 and he knew he hits hard. So it was one of those things that it didn't uh if that was the first time he he fought him, it might have shook him. You know, it shook Eddie Alvarez, right? It shook Eddie Alvarez so bad, Connor had both hands behind his back. He already knew he was going to win the fight, you know. So Poirier ate it. And the, like you said, that front leg, man, because Connor's um one of his things is not just his left hand, but kicking people in the gut, like body kicks, stabbing that gas tank that he did with Chad Mendez and, and a lot of other fighters. Um, you take that lead leg away you know what you do you take away that spin and roundhouse stuff you take away those teeth kicks or those or, or, or leg kicks or those front body kicks or those those roundhouse body kicks or head kicks and and maybe some power from that left hand so now you know Connors had trouble well, against lefties think about all of his losses were against left-handed fighters so yeah I
1: mean lefties uh, he's he's also one so that that happens a lot where lefties beat lefties you know yep. um The other thing, though, is uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, them taking losses, I think Conor is one of the best losers you could possibly ever have. You know, as much, like, trash as he talks, he was one of the most grateful losers I've ever seen. And, you know, gracious, because I really do believe, you know, a lot of people, they're, you know, very disheveled and, and, uh, you know, are uh, unsure about what's going on. And that's kind of what he was at that point. But you could tell as, like, the most raw that – um you know he's been in, a, in, a, in a, like at least on, on on the air um and then on top of that you know that he really wants to you know fight and, and be here and do it so you know more ups to him you know he doesn't have to he can literally quit or retire right now yeah uh and, and and not but you know it's a passion it's an art for him so that's uh that's what drives him and that's what keeps him the person who he is so
0: yeah he's i mean He's always humble and defeated, especially after he loses. Maybe a couple of days he'll, be, he'll talk about energy efficiency or he might talk about injury. But he's wise enough to wait a couple of days because you wait a couple of days, people don't, use, don't, don't think he's making excuses why he lost. It just comes from a place of self-honesty. Like energy efficiency when, it, when Nate, Diaz, Nate Diaz was an honest answer you know, um, uh, um, his foot being jacked up against Khabib. That was an honest answer. But I I mean, in reality, he wasn't beating Khabib because nobody's beating Khabib. Okay. Um, um, Connor strives for for perfection. But when it came to Khabib, there's only one thing perfect and that's Khabib's win loss record. Um, Poirier, great victory. Good boxing. And I saw, didn't it remind you a little bit when he fought Gaethje? Like Gaethje hit him with some hard shots and then Gaethje kind of gassed. It looked like Gaethje gassed himself um doing that and then and then Poirier just slipping in and out with that boxing, with that technical boxing, and then eventually scored the knockout. And he did it mm. he did and he did the same thing with Alvarez. And it looked like he did the same thing to Connor. And that was that man, good win for him. Good win for yep. him. I was gonna cry, man, but I, I, I did all my crying when he won the interim title and he said I paid I paid the price with my blood. And the price is paid in full. And you and people, anyone that's paid dues like him, you where you finally get to the end, where you finally get some respect, you 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 feel you you feel for him because no matter what your job or career or what you do in life, you you strive to get there and when and you get looked over and you get passed over and you, you face these disappointments and these obstacles. And when you finally get to at least not to where you want to go, but but to a point where you're like, I paid my dues and now everybody recognizes it. I paid with my, he says, I paid with my blood. I paid the price, it's paid in full. God bless that dude. Wow. God bless that dude. Yep. Hey, man. Good stuff, baby. Good stuff. We're going to go to a quick question in a minute. But before we go to a quick question, of course, you know, we got to go to my favorite thing, which is called to shame or not to Shame.
1: Shame. Shame. Shame, shame,
0: shame. Okay, Rob, to shame or not to shame. Elephant in the room, gotta talk about it. Green Bay, fourth down, fourth and goal. You can go for it, get it, get the two point conversion. You tie the game or you can kick a field goal. Matt LaFleur goes for the field goal. On Matt LaFleur, the question is, shame or no shame, Rob?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely shame. Uh, I think just, you know, like we were saying before, just a rookie coaching mistake where know your team. You know, your team may have a great secondary, but there's no way that front seven is going to, that front eight is going to start, is going to stop that team for. You know, two first downs. It's not going to happen. You know, you put all your chips in the basket of your best player. You give Aaron Rodgers the ball to score in six yards. I'm pretty sure he can make that happen. If not, you know, you don't you don't get all the flack. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he made his choice. I think that he was going for the win in his eyes. And, you know, that's what it was.
0: I'm with you, Rob. I gotta go. Shame, and I'll tell you why. If if he was if it was not four down territory, the first person that needs to know that is Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers said in the post game interview that if he, he knew they were gonna kick, he would have he would have dialed up a different audible for third down. So, if you're gonna go if if it's four down territory, if it's not four down territory, you gotta let your guy know. He's gotta be the first one to know and. Um, I'm not going to make theological leap like everybody else did um, that, oh, it cost them the game. Or he's the reason why they lost. I'm not going to go that route because Aaron Rodgers begged his team to get the ball back, and they got him the ball back multiple times, and he had multiple opportunities. Um, one can also make the argument that first and goal, he had three opportunities to get in. If he was going to get in, he was going to get in one of those three times, particularly where he had enough daylight. He had enough – I mean, if he ran – for that last thing, there was no one within 10 yards of him. You could do a zoom in on NFL films and it would look like he's on the NFL field by himself. That's how close the next But even is. still,
1: you know, you get a fourth and one, you know, fourth and goal at the one yard line and mm-hmm. you, you know, get it or you don't get it. You still have the opportunity yeah. to get the next team on a safety, you know, or, yep. or like in the next four plays or uh, when they punt. So.
0: Well, he's playing a know, perfect scapegoat. Was, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Exactly. Right? Because exactly, if, he, if so. he lets Aaron Rodgers go, right? Uh, go for it. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't get it. Aaron Rodgers got to answer all these questions Monday morning. It'd be the first time that nobody bl- have, will right. blame the coach, you know. Um, right. But, man, some dumb moves at the end. You know, kick the field goal. If you ha- for me, if I'm a coach, Rob, and you're going to say the same thing, if I'm the head coach of that team, Aaron, take us home. In fact, I'm the first, as a coach, I'm, beyond, I'm like, Aaron, this is first down territory. You know, I mean, this is four down territory, you know, and it, it kind of sucks because there's no guarantee they're going to get the two point conversion either. But you put themselves oh. in that position. Um, Aaron put them in a position. So he it's his it should have been his right to, for them to bail them out. You know, I mean, in retrospect, I, uh, everything Matt LaFleur did would have worked had not for the pass interference call. I mean, they would have got the ball back, and they wouldn't have needed for the two-point conversion because they would have they kicked a field goal. And, and I see how he was trying to set the ultimate stage for Aaron at the end, but uh, I, I don't know. And that's why I give him a pass as far as him him being the reason they lost the game. But no, I'm, I got to go with you. Shame, shame, shame. So now, Rob McLean, we move on to our next-to-last topic. Quick question quick question <laughs> all right rob we're going to go through a coaching lineup all right these are thumbs, do, thumbs up thumbs down question quick question rob uh, saleh new head coach of the jets thumbs up thumbs down
1: uh thumbs up i, I go thumbs need... up first muslim yeah.
0: american head coach in, in the nfl as a head coach quick question rob arthur smith for the Atlanta Falcons, he's the former offensive coordinator for the Titans. Uh,
1: uh no, thumbs I go th- down.
0: thumbs down. They don't need an OC; they need a defensive-minded coach. Um, quick question, Rob Urban Meyer with the Jags. I'll go first on this. Thumbs up, two thumbs up. Gonna get Trevor Lawrence too. Get out of here.
1: Um, honestly, I'm just gonna <laughs> like I know I don't want to be too crazy with this, but I'm gonna say thumbs down just because a lot of health concerns and i don't think he's going to make it past two years in the nfl. Yeah.
0: Urban Meyer, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Trevor Lawrence what? <laughs> You're going to take that kid's bacon. What's the matter with you, Rob? Um thumbs up or thumbs down Brandon Staley is the new head coach of the Chargers? He's a former defensive coordinator for the Rams.
1: Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean I'll go thumbs up. I uh, you know I don't really know him very well, but I, I didn't really like also what the Chargers – I mean, I think the Chargers did really nice. Uh, uh, some stuff they did this year with the rookie quarterback, so mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. I Could go thumbs right. down.
0: I, I go thumbs down. If you're going to fire Anthony Lynn, you have to replace him with someone that you know you know is going to be very significantly true. better. Improved. Very true. Um, quick question. Eagles hire offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. Uh, as the Eagles head coach? Nick Siriano is the offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts.
1: Uh,
0: I, I don't care. like it. I don't like it. Me neither. I,
1: I just, I don't, I don't get what that organization is trying to do. You know, and it's, it's been before uh, this coach as well. So I just, I don't really, I don't like anything they're doing.
0: I go thumbs down. Um, thumbs, quick question, thumbs up or thumbs down lions, Detroit lions hired Dan Campbell as the head coach. Campbell is currently the assistant coach, um, the assistant head coach and tight ends coach for the new Orleans saints.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think I like it. Um, uh, I've heard of Dan Campbell. I think he's a a good facilitator and I think it goes to the point we're saying about the Browns that sometimes it's not necessarily the, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator that's next in line. That's the best head coach. You know, it's the, it's the guy that can put all the pieces together. So, um, yeah, I think I like it.
0: I go thumbs up. He's an old school, an old school go-getter. You know what I'm saying? He talks the talk and he puts himself in a position where if he walks the walk, everybody likes him. And if he doesn't, Detroit's going to be the most unforgiving city and he's going to be gone too. Um, They have not, they've only been to the playoffs twice. I think, in like their 60-year period or whatever, or one playoff yeah. win. One playoff win in 60 years. You want to talk about cripple franchises. I mean, God, you can't even say that about the Bucks. All right, so now, quick question. Now that we went through all these head coaching hires. Quick question, who on this list would you take before Eric Bienemy?
1: Uh, <clears throat> You're saying, uh, like, if I had a team. All, all,
0: the, all the hires I just gave you? Yeah. Um, and all the thumbs up and thumbs down who would you take which one of these 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 guys would you take over the enemy
1: I mean it's funny you say that because I was thinking about that same thing and I, I was wondering why all these teams would pick any of these coaches up before him uh, very interesting uh, I don't think I'd pick any honestly I think that he's that guy in line to be you know that you know as an offensive coordinator defensive you know that's 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 where i think is the head coach should really be the head coach is that offensive coordinator so yep. i don't know why any teams are taking uh, other guys before that head coach or before that guys signed uh, So none, signed. But, hey, <laughs> none yeah, right you go none. yeah
0: I go none, but you know what? I always, always flirt with Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is not about his coaching ability. But coaches, when you become a head coach, you bring in people that you trust around you that, that, that enjoy, that, that help give you that level of success. And I don't know if enemy has anybody like that, but I know Urban Meyer does, you know, oh. and everywhere he goes, it's like Bill Parcells, right? Who did he have? He had Charlie Weiss, he had, um, um, Bill Belichick, he had Tom Coughlin as his wide receivers coach. So when he went to New England, you know, um, he brought, you know, belichick with him so it was so maybe meyer and i have no logical reason to tell you to suggest that because i we don't really have any success in if if, for him in the nfl he's been a college coach right um but urban meyer only because it's a rookie quarterback and because you could still you could still set up that college style environment with a young team like that just get rid of minchu man just cut him cut him and pay him off and do do what you got to do with that guy um quick question NFL is Scotty Miller the real threat wide receiver for the Bucks right now?
1: Um, uh, I'm sorry, say that again.
0: Scotty Miller, wide receiver uh, uh, for the Tampa. Yeah, it's between him, I Godwin, was... Brown, Evans. Is he is he the real is he the real uh, the real um, uh, wide receiver? Of course, Yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, I was very surprised to see him, and and you know, it's funny when people talk about certain people on the field, you know, Archie Goodwin being like, you know, that guy. Um, you know, he and Mike Evans being the one and two, you know, this season he didn't have a great season. You know, for me, it's like when I it's the eyeball test when I get on, you know, when I see people on the field, um, you know, I just see who's 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 killing it. You know, Cole Beasley was that kind of guy, you know, who was like, who is this guy on the on the uh, on the Cowboys so long ago and you know, he was just crushing it. Um but yeah, I think it's the same way where uh you know, Miller's, you know, on the eye test, man, he is fast, man, he's got hands, man, he runs good routes. Um, I think that's what you need. I think there's too much, uh too much firepower there and I think they're probably gonna trade away Godwin after this year. Um, so yeah, I think uh he's definitely that X Factor because, you know, when you have two really good wide receivers, all those underneath routes are gonna be wide open. Um so yeah, he's gonna be that guy who's gonna eat
0: Yep. I gotta say yes. He runs 4-4 on the 40. And he's been a threat last year when Jameis Winston was there. Just Jameis Winston didn't choose to throw to him. And now and Brady, Brady's like, wait. Brady likes his short white guys, man. <laughs> you know it. And, and um, referring to another sports talk guy, um, Skip Bayless, who's one of my least favorite guys, called it in the beginning. Like, hey, watch for this guy. You don't know. I know. He says, you don't know what I know. And it turns out he was right. Yeah, gotta go with that. But Reserve my the right to change my mind for the beginning of next season when they have a full preseason and and Antonio Brown's, you know, completely healthy and Evans is completely healthy and and wow, it's just if they have enough money to keep all of them, that's cool. You know, and I really hope Buffalo keeps Cole Beasley because you know, in a world of trading up and trying to find room to get a running back or get get this person some some people get lost but there's not a there's not a better slot receiver. Um, in the NFL this year, I think Beasley was he Not to- this past game, yeah. no. No, you got to get your fluids in, boy. Yeah, man. Well, Come even on, then he bad. was still the leading receiver. He had like seven, yeah. seven catches for eighty-eight yards. He's so, um, but just man, Kansas City—the defense is a different animal. Quick question, Rob: um, Are the Clippers better than the Lakers right now? Yes or no?
1: Lakers. I mean. honestly i do believe so and that's purely because Kawhi leonard is playing real basketball again i don't know what the heck he was doing last year but it just wasn't it wasn't him so um you know they they look like they're flowing a lot better and you know the lakers are trying to play the you know we were good enough last year we're gonna do it again this year game so um i don't think that's smart i think they need to you know even if you're not playing or even if, you know, you're not around the team or you're not, you know, playing your best ball, you know, at least being in the locker room and and being there for your teammates is important. So, you know, maybe the Lakers are just kind of, you know, giving you some feints, you know, some like, Oh, they got holes, you know, they might not make it this year. And then they come on strong at the end. But uh, I just really like the Clippers right now uh, playing better basketball. Finally, Paul George and Kawhi look like they're somewhat, could be together and be successful. So yeah. I definitely like the Clippers.
0: Well, are, are the Clippers a better team than the Lakers right now? Um, I say yes. Are, will they be a the better team in the playoffs? Question of fact, I still think it's the Lakers. But is it a question? Yeah. Quick To the quick question, they are the better team than the Lakers right now. Um, I'm reposing this question, after watching a whole a whole week with James Harden and, and Kyrie Irving and these guys, will the Nets um, win the East with James Harden?
1: I mean, yeah, just because the Bucks don't look so great. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Yes, now. Um, quick question: UFC should Poirier fight Chandler for the vacant title? Khabib already says he's not coming back. Dana still has him listed as Khabib as the champ, and, and Dana's still calling all these meetings. But you, you don't understand these these Russian dudes and their and their religion and 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 their commitment to family. If he's done, he's done.
1: Yeah. I mean, also, if he wants a GSP fight, he's probably going to be done. So, yep.
0: uh, yeah, I mean, Thumb, that's that's
1: kind of what's that's kind of what uh, they were talking about in the pre pressers that, you know, this is kind of like a four person tournament. Maybe add in Gagey and, and, and Tony Ferguson and, you know, who whoever takes the crown, takes the crown. Nice. So cool. I think so.
0: Well, that's the end of the quick question. And now on this segment of Before We Go, um, Hank Aaron. Henry Aaron died at 86 years old, he was the home run king before his, his record got shattered by by um, Bonds. No, it did Thank you, okay, you said it, cool, you said it. I like it and I'm gonna give you the floor in a minute. I just wanna uh, do some, um, I just wanna say one interesting thing about the home run king. If you take away all of his home runs, he still has 3000 hits. He's still Hall of, he's still, he's still, in my opinion, first ballot Hall of Famer. And back then it was, uh, it was secret ballots. You didn't know who the voters were. And I want to, I, but me, I honestly want the names of the people that did not, that, that didn't think he was a unanimous choice for Hall of Fame. Um, and that's the one thing I want to say about him. Three, by the way, yeah, 3,000 death threats a day when he was pursuing yeah, it. I think 3,000 letters, think death letters.
1: That has a lot to do with it, you know, and. This is also, like, because I was a baseball player before I was a volleyball player, and this is, like, he was one of my all-time favorite players. You know, everybody talks about Willie Mays and, you know, or, you know, African-American baseball players, or, like, Satchel Paige or, you know, some of the all-time greats, you know, Jackie Robinson, you know. For me, like, this guy, because it was a little bit closer to, you know, the modern-day era of, you know, crushing home runs, but he's still – Un, you know, he took off Babe Ruth from, you know, the all-time home run hitters list. And I mean, if anybody knows anything about baseball, if you can break a, a, a Ruth record of anything, it's like, you know, monumental in the game, you know, because Babe Ruth is known as, you know, the immortal one in baseball. So
0: He just pointed you know, for, right field, for... man, tell you where it's going. Yankee man, Stadium, just... that right field is like you know craziness. yeah
1: so yeah for me uh it was just uh very emotional because um yeah you know I, I you know you have barry bonds you know that whole fiasco with uh breaking the home run record and, and he even being a great sport and you know cheering him on and being happy for him um it's just you know people of color or people of minority you know you don't you don't see those types of people anymore who have so much you know that 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 crazy resilience, that, that, that you know, tough, tough skin, you know, tougher skin than you could ever imagine. You know, it's, it's uh, I love to see that. And, uh, you know, things have changed and, and that type of uh, toughness and perseverance is in other ways now in modern day athletes. But, you know, the good old fashioned, you know, you know, put your, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, put yourself in, in the right position to succeed. You know, they, they don't have that nowadays. So I, I love that You know, he's kind of, you know, that age is kind of dying out, that generation. But, you know, the memory is what go on. So, well, it's definitely
0: changed because people like Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson, and um, I I should just say Aaron, uh, to quote Chris Rock, baseball's changed uh, racially because now an African-American is allowed to be in the league and suck. you're allowed to suck now uh before you you to be an african-american in the league you, you, you know you had to invent the Rawlings, <laughs> so so um or you had to write you had to innovate the louisville slugger uh, baseball bat or some so and that's really in, in, in a in comedic form i thought that was very very interesting that now you know, because cause back, back in the day, you, uh, you could be a white player and still and still collect a check, you know. But you had to be Jack, a Jackie Robinson or better to, to, you know, from the migration from the Negro Leagues to the Major Leagues. I believe it was in 1952 or 54. Um, and before, uh, one last uh, tidbit, Phil Rivers retired. And I just wanted to run out some fun stats about him. He was second in the league in consecutive starts. Um, Only two. Yeah, all time. Fifth all time all- in touchdown passes. And fifth all time in total yards: 63,440. You got Manning, you got Brady. Brady and Breeze are still doing a two-horse race, which is why none of them are quick to retire. I think one of them wants they one of them wants that. And they've like, they're like whoever's in the league last. <laughs> Whoever retires first is gonna lose that. So you got Brady Breeze, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. and then you got Phil Rivers at 6, 63,440. Touchdown passes is four hundred and twenty-one. Amazing. Amazing career and good for him. Rob, anything you want to say to our Beautiful audience before we leave.
1: Stay safe. Go go ahead.
0: (laughs) Stay safe. Stay happy. (laughs) Yo, love you, dude. I love you, but I'm not sure if I love any of these people. All right. So for all of you at home, we're out of here. Okay, we this is episode 52. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. That's Rob. Keep it McLean McLean. I'm Jason Debelius. Turn off your iPad. Turn off your cell phone. Turn off your laptop. Turn off your desktop. And we're out.